told Timothy, he said, when you gather together and you have a corporate service, he says, preach the word. Amen? So why are we here today? We're not here to be entertained, although the Holy Ghost can entertain us. Okay? But we're here to receive the word of God into our minds, into our hearts that can literally and will transform our lives. Do you know there's thousands of people today that go to church, but they never receive anything. They never change. They're the same when they leave as when they come in. But how many of you know it's not supposed to be that way? We're supposed to be literally transformed and changed by the power of God. I could hardly wait to get here this morning. I have an expectation, an anticipation in my spirit today for God's goodness to show up. Amen? He already showed up in, in my room this morning at 4.30 in the morning. Amen? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, last week uh, we began, uh, actually we continued our series on called Being Determined, and we see this is a major characteristic, being determined, of anybody, Old Testament, New Testament, that received anything from the Lord, whether it was a healing, a deliverance for a, a child, whatever, a need, financial need being met, you know, through the Old Testament, New Testament, here's one characteristic of people that received from God, and that was this, being determined. We have to be determined. Now, the word determined means persistence, determination. It means intent, bent on, insistent, firm about, resolute, amen, adamant, single-minded, unswerving, unwavering, undaunted, intent, insistent, amen. How many of you want to become determined? Now, last week, I want to just share a portion of what I shared last week. Now, we, we talked about Dr. Paul Youngie Cho, who is uh, now 81 years old, young, 81 years young. And the last time I heard Paul Youngie Cho, he's from South, Seoul, Korea, South Korea, has the largest church in the world. Now, that may be, uh, there may be someone else that might have passed him up in Africa now one of uh, Brother Copeland's converts <laughs> in Africa. I mean, it's just amazing. But last time I heard, he had just shy of a million people in his church, in Paul Youngie Joe's church. And, you know, this, this man was not born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He was born in, in a poverty-stricken situation. I mean, abject poverty. And he got a hold of the Word of God and began to change his life. And... Uh, just an amazing person, praise God. You can actually, if you Google him, you can go onto YouTube, you can watch videos. There's a lot of different videos of him preaching on there. And uh, he does speak English, so you can, it's broken English, but you can understand what he's saying. Amen. But uh, I, I made mention of the fact, and I'm just going to read a small portion of this that we read last week. And, and this is from his book called The Fourth Dimension. Okay, And he says this, one morning I was eating breakfast with one of, the, one of Korea's leading neurosurgeons. You know, that's a brain surgeon and spinal. And he says he was, he was telling me about a recent finding about various operations of the brain. And so he asked, Dr. Cho, did you know that the speech center, now listen to this, the speech center in the brain rules over all the nerves? The speech center in the brain has total, he said, total dominion over all the other nerves. And here's Cho's response. He said, I laugh saying, I've known that for a long time. He said, well, how did you know that? Not being a neurosurgeon. He says, he goes, well, I, I, he said, I replied, I found that from Dr. James. He says, who is Dr. James? He was referring to the book of James, chapter 3. Amen. 
how that he said that the tongue is a little member. Remember that? We read that last week. He just said it's like the bit in the horse's mouth, as small as that bit is, it controls the entire uh, direction of that horse, okay? And he said the tongue is also, secondly, this allegory, he said, is like a rudder of the ship. And then you see these massive ships, now these, these cruise ships, you know, and compared to the size of the ship, the rudder is so small, and yet it governs which direction that ship is going to go, Right? Now, what's interesting, here's what the Holy Spirit showed me about this last week, that once, when the rudder is in the water and the bit is in the horse's mouth, you can't see them. You can't see them. He says the tongue is just like the bit. It's just like the rudder. And the tongue will control the direction of the body. Now, this is what Dr. Cho was referring to about the power of the tongue. One of the greatest, if not the greatest lie that I think in our modern day that the devil has put out there is that uh, people that make light of confession, speaking the Word of God, talking the Word of God, they've, they've tagged it and said, name it and claim it, blab it, grab it, confess it, possess it, and make, give it a bad rap. You know what I'm saying? But the, the fact is, who's the one that coined this phrase, name it and claim it? <laughs> Jesus said, you can have whatsoever you say. So I guess he was a name and claim it, blab it and grab it, right? Now, usually that's a negative connotation. Now, we're going to debunk all that here today. We're going to see because it's not just what you say, it's what you believe in your heart and say with your mouth that will come to pass in your life, okay? Now, real quickly, go over to Mark chapter 11 again. Oh, I can hardly wait to get into this today. Mm. I feel like I'm at a five-course meal here today. Praise God. In Mark chapter 11, verses 12, it's, uh, it's starting verse 12, it says this. We saw this last week. And on the morrow they went, when they were come to Bethany, he was hungry, Jesus. And seeing the fig tree afar off having leaves, he came happily that he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. Now, we made mention of the fact last week that there's different types of fig trees in, the, in Israel. Jesus was not deceived by the tree. This particular fig tree, if it had leaves, it actually, this fig tree, if it produced leaves, the figs would grow simultaneously with the, with the leaves. And Jesus being from that part of that, that, in the natural, from that part of the world over there, he was not deceived by the tree. If that tree had leaves, it should have had figs too. Okay? And it says, let's see here in verse 13, it says, And the fig tree having leaves, he came if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter. And his disciples heard it. Now what I want to show you today is here's what we're going to establish here today is that so many people put Jesus in a category by himself. Now don't get me wrong, there only is one Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We are a son of God, the Bible says, but we're not the son of God. But see, so many times people put Jesus in a category like uh, the miracles and the things that he did and say, well, sure, that's the son of God. That's Jesus. He can do these things, but that's not for us. Well, that's, that's not what Jesus said. In John 14, he said, he that believeth on me, do you believe on him? He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater than these shall I do, because I go to my Father. So the very works that Jesus did, you and I can do. 
Now we see in the Bible that Jesus spoke to a tree. Jesus spoke to arms to grow out. Jesus spoke to a fever. Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves. That's right. He talked to the wind and the waves. Someone says, you wouldn't catch me doing that. Okay, then get blown over. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Aren't you glad for the truth of God's Word? Now notice verse 14, that Jesus answered and said unto the tree. Now wait a minute. The trees talk? If I say, what did you say, Luann? She'll say what? Nothing. I didn't say anything. But see, we call this an inanimate object, but it has a voice. Do you know your body has a voice? Does your body ever talk to you? Does your body ever say, I need three more hours of sleep this morning? <laughs> or yeah, feed me, you know. Or your body says, if I were you, I'd get mad at them. You know what they just did to you right now? Your body has a voice, right? How many of you know your pocketbook has a, your checkbook, your bank account has a voice? Your bank account says, ah, there's not enough in there. <laughs> so it has a voice, okay? This fig tree had a voice. What was that voice saying to Jesus? You're not going to have any figs today, Okay? Jesus answered it back, and he talked to a tree. One of these days, I'm going to write a book called Jesus Talked to a Tree. I have that in my spirit. I'll write a little book called Jesus Talked to a Tree. Now, it's, it's, you have to understand, folks, that there are spiritual laws that are set in motion in this earth. Whether you believe them or not, they work just like the law of gravity. Gravity, Right? How many someone could go up on the top of this roof here, just climb up there and say, you know, I know it says there's gravity and the law of gravity, but I can't see anything. I don't believe in it. And walk off the edge of the roof and all of a sudden splat. How many of you know they could get seriously injured or killed because they believe the wrong thing? You see, that law is still intact. Okay? And the Bible says that in the earth there's the law of sin and sin and death and the law of spiritual life. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Now we know, for example, there's different laws. For example, in aeronautics, in aircraft, you know, there's a, there's a major airport just a few miles right down the road here and you see those planes coming and going, you know, and you think, dear God, as much as that plane weighs, then there's, there's two or three hundred people up in there flying right over this hotel right now. <laughs> Amen? Well, there's the law of gravity, right? But then there's the law of thrust and lift in aeronautics. Now, the law of thrust and lift overcomes the law of gravity. It doesn't say it doesn't exist. It overcomes the law of gravity. Are you with me now? Now, there's the law of sin and death, sickness and disease in the earth today. Right? That's a law that's in the earth today because of Adam's transgression. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus overcomes. John G. Lake, for example, if you ever heard of John G. Lake, 100 years ago had tremendous revival, had a healing ministry that have impacted the globe. He was in Africa, a certain country in Africa, and there was the bubonic plague, which was killing people by the thousands. 
just a major plague, just, just wiping people off the planet back in those days, you know. And so the Lord called him over there in Africa to do a missionary work and to spread the gospel and to see the healing power of God. And they were burying people by the hundreds. I mean, just dying right and left from this plague, okay? And then the final stages, and I'm not trying to be gross, but the final stages of this bubonic plague was they had a bloody froth that would come out of their mouth from when, when they passed away, when they died, okay? And so people were getting vaccinations and so forth over there. And, and uh, when he went over there, the, the authorities said to him, they said, uh, Mr. Lake, are you getting your vaccination? He says, I have my vaccination. He says, and they said, no, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. <laughs> they said, well, what are you talking about? And he quoted Romans, I think it's 8th chapter. He said, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Of course, they didn't understand that. You tell an uneducated spiritual man, a, a, a carnal man, they're going to think you're nuts. They're going to think you're crazy. Well, they thought Jesus was crazy too, right? So to prove his point further, he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He says, there's some scientists that are right here, that were right there. And he says, go over and scrape off some of that bloody froth off of that person's mouth right there. Put it under a microscope and tell me what you see. So they did it. They went over and did that. And, they, and of course, the, the, the virus was very active. You know, can't see with a naked eye. But under a microscope, you can see those little things, demonic things, doing their thing. And he says, uh, he says, it's active, right? He says, that's right, it's active. He says, now put it on my hand and then scrape it off and then put it under the microscope again. Now this is a man that understood the word dominion in Christ Jesus. He had a revelation of our dominion. He was, he was, that was what he was, his main forte, you, should, you could say, in his ministry was our dominion that we have in Christ Jesus. So they took the same sample that, was, that they'd originally put under the microscope, put it on his hand, and then they took it off his hand, put it under the microscope, and to their utter amazement, everything would die instantly. They put it under the microscope, everything was dead. And they said, Mr. Lake, you must know something that we don't know. He says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen? Well, Pastor, that sounds radical. You're right, it is. It's radically Bible. The law of the Spirit. Do you know how many people are not taught that? Do you know how many people are afraid of germs and afraid of this and afraid of you? Bless God, you don't have to be afraid. Amen? So, uh, he said, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And I'll get back to my original point, was there are so many believers that don't believe that your words have any impact on which direction you go in life. Amen? The devil has infiltrated the human language, the English language, and I'm sure other countries as well, with the word death. I just love them to death. Scared me to death. Tickled me to death. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on, Pastor. Listen, the devil has infiltrated people's language. I've been on the job before. Someone cut their hand, hit their hand with a hammer. I used to do some construction work, you know. And uh, I've never once, ever once, and I'll show you how the devil has a hold of people's tongue. I never once heard a person say, they hit their thumb with a hammer and say, Oh, Buddha. 
boom, oh, Muhammad. <laughs> what comes out of their mouth? Jesus Christ or God? Damn. Who's behind that? The devil's behind that. The devil's behind that. Are you with me now? And so the devil has woven his way into the English language to seek. Because, see, you have, you have to understand, folks, it's not a matter of just being cool. Forget that. Some people like to use just buzzwords, you know, because they think it's cool, but it's not, if it's not biblical, it's not scriptural. Amen? Now, I used to be trapped with my words because I, when somebody would, something good would happen, I'd say, I can't believe that. You ever have that? You ever say that before? I can't believe that. The Holy Ghost checked me. What do you mean he checked me? He, he, he alerted me and he says, don't say that. You can believe this. You can believe whatever you want to believe. Amen? See, it's not just a matter of being picky and choosy about what you're saying, you know, like, like a legalistic cop. You know what I mean? <laughs> Praise God. A, a police confession. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> We're not to do that to one another. Amen? <laughs> But I'm teaching you from the Word of God that you can have what you say. So we want to use our words to work for us, not against us. You never heard a person saying, I said this last week, I'm going to say sneeze. Ha, too. I'm afraid I'm catching a healing. Never, no one's ever said that. But I'll tell you, what you fear has a way of coming to you. That's another subject, but Job 3.25 said, The thing I feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of has come unto me. Job opened the door to all that tragedy. We have an example of that in the Bible. Now, this is Old Testament. It's one of the oldest books in the Bible. But you'll see that Job opened up a door where he originally had a wall of protection around him. He did. He had a hedge, the Bible says in Job chapter 1, a hedge of protection. God blessed everything that he put his hand to. But the, he, he broke the hedge and the serpent bit him, the Bible says. He broke the hedge through fear. So if you open the door through fear, you can close the door of fear. Because that's, listen, fear is the only weapon that the enemy has against us. That's his only weapon that he has. And thank God, you and I have been delivered from the power and the authority of fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear in 2 Timothy 1.7, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I mean, you can stand there and your knees are fellowshipping with one another because you're afraid. But you stand there and say, nope, 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 I, will, I refuse to be afraid in Jesus' name. In the face of adversity, in the face of sickness and disease, in the face of danger, you stand there and say, no, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So we get back to the book of uh, Mark, and it says Jesus, in verse 14, Jesus spoke to the fig tree and said, no man eat of, eat of fruit of the hereafter. And his disciples heard it. So he said it out loud enough where they could hear it. Amen. Now here's what I said. I said this last week. I'll say it again. There was no fanfare here. That's the word that came to me. There was no trumpets blowing. Jesus didn't stand up and scream at the fig tree. He just, just happened to say, no man will eat fruit of the hereafter again. And his disciples heard it. Now, you know, they were probably thinking, this is crazy. He's talking to trees. Let's go jump down to verse 20 because I need to move on here. In verse 20 it says, And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the what? Hmm. 
So evidently when he, Jesus immediately spoke to the tree, they didn't physically see with their eyes any difference. When you speak God's Word, you don't see the immediate results with your eyes, but you're getting to the root of that situation. Are you with me now? And they, it, it says, verse 20, In the morning they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the what? The roots. Hmm. And Peter calling remembrance saith unto him, Master, or in other words, Jesus, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. Now notice that, G, that Peter said that Jesus cursed the fig tree. He didn't cuss the fig tree. He didn't use a four-letter word. Are you with me now? <laughs> curse. What is a curse? A curse is when you speak negative over something or somebody. And that could even be yourself. You don't want to curse yourself. Amen? Many, many years ago, I was sitting down, my wife and I, and I can't even remember who it was at this point, but it was many, many, probably 30 years ago. We were sitting down with a Christian couple, and, uh, and something came up, and the, the wife that was there, uh, she said, she goes, we asked her, I think we asked her a question. She forgot what it was. We asked her something. She goes, oh, stupid me. She said that, stupid me. Now, I, I detected this. This is something that she said more than once. It wasn't just in that situation. She said, stupid me. And I, I kind of jolted me. I said, within myself, I said, man, that's not good. Stupid me. And so I, I brought it to her attention in love. <laughs> I, said, I said, can I ask you a question? I said, if you came across someone, someone in this restaurant right now, would you go up to them and say, you're stupid? She goes, of course not. She didn't even know she said it. She said, stupid me. I said, do you know you just called yourself stupid because you seemingly forgot something? Amen. How many of us have done that? Stupid me, dumb me. Listen, you're cursing yourself when you do that. Now, just yesterday, I misplaced my wallet, okay? Now, one of the jobs of the Holy Ghost is to bring things to your remembrance, to teach you all things, to bring things to your remembrance, you know. So, uh, you know, I, I had to go out somewhere, you know, and I needed my wallet, you know, to get in my car and drive. I needed my wallet, my license, and so forth. And, I mean, we're all searching. We're all looking. We're looking in every drawer and looking here and there and looking everything. Looked out in the car. Honey, did you check the car? Yeah, I went out there, looked in the car, looked under the seats. It's not there, you know. And all of a sudden, you know, I started getting hit with this panic, like, oh, your wallet, <laughs> your credit cards are there and everything, you know. You ever done that before? I'm sure I'm not the only one. Now, I said this. I said, no, Father, I said, you know exactly where that wallet is. Now, I'm asking you, you show me. Now, the girls were praying, praying as well, you know. Within a couple minutes, uh, all of a sudden, I had this little, like, when I say mini vision, I don't mean I saw it with these eyes. But in, in my imagination, I, I saw the wallets in the... Uh, I brought up the, the laundry basket from downstairs. We had clothes in it, and I had set my wallet on top of it and carried it up, and it slid down inside the, where the clothes are. Okay? Now, I hadn't have thought that. But in an instant, the Lord said, it's in there. It's in the, it's in the uh, clothes basket. So I yelled up the steps and said, honey, check the clothes back. She gets, sure enough, it's there. Okay? Okay? Now, I, I thank God for the Holy Spirit because... You know, like when Saul in the Bible lost his donkeys, they, you know, 
he, the Lord showed them where they were. Okay? Well, I needed my wallet, and the Holy Ghost is able to bring things to your remembrance when you ask Him to. He's a person. So why I get frustrated, why I get angry, God doesn't want you to be frustrated. You can just ask Him, and He will show you. Amen? So when Jesus cursed the fig tree, He didn't cuss it. He spoke negative over it. He says, no man will eat fruit of you hereafter again. It's kind of like someone saying, you know, they're never going to mount anything. Folks, all of us make mistakes, but that doesn't mean we're stupid. That doesn't mean we're dumb. Are you with me now? And so we don't want to use words that are going to bring a curse upon us without even... See, these. what I'm trying to say is this, folks. There's spiritual laws that work whether you know about them or not. They're still working on your behalf. They're working. The law of gravity works whether you believe it or not. Isn't that true? Have you ever flown an airplane before? Did you, ever, did you ever pray and say, Oh God, I pray that the law of thrust and lift works today. It works 100% of the time, doesn't it? <laughs> and blast off, you're up in the air. Hallelujah. And some of these aircrafts are so big, they hold, they hold tanks and everything. These people for the army and so forth, they hold tanks and machinery. I mean, thousands of tons. And it's flying through the air like a bird. Isn't that amazing? And the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Now, uh, we know that uh, if you read the rest of the, this chapter right here, in verse 22, Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say, notice the word say, to this mountain, Be removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith, shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. The most powerful words that you can pray when, you, when it comes to answered prayer. And the Lord, the Lord reminded me of this, oh, about a year ago. And he said that if you coined it, like if you say it like this, Jesus said, whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. When you say this word, I believe, I receive. That's four words. I believe, I receive. Jesus said, you believe it, then you have it. Now the world says, I'm, on a, not, I'm not going to believe it till I can see it. But Jesus says, no, you have to believe it, then you will see it. Jesus said in John chapter 11, didn't I say unto you, if you believe, then you would see the glory of God. So the believing comes before the seeing. In other words, the believing comes before the manifestation. This excites me. And any time I've ever received healing from my physical body, I had to approach it from this, this viewpoint of what Jesus said, believe you receive when you pray. Yet there's countless Christians that don't believe they receive when they pray, whether it's a physical healing or whether it's whatever. You know, when I say, I believe... I receive, I've just accepted it. I've accepted it. As far as I'm concerned, it's done. It's finished. So what's left? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I believe I receive. Thank you for it. <laughs> Amen? Say, I believe I receive. This will, this will annihilate depression. 
that would try to come against you. Because when the believing Christian is living in a, in a state of anticipation and a, in the land of expectation, and you will never fail. It's kind of like someone that says, I'm coming over to your house this afternoon at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, around 2 o'clock, you're looking out the window. You're expecting them to show up. You don't see any vehicles yet. No one's knocking on the door yet. But you're expecting them to show up. And when you say these words, I believe, I receive, you get so taken up with that. You've received it in your spirit. Now it's just a matter of time before you see it in the natural. Glory to God. You know, it's just like uh, when a woman conceives, you don't see anything until nine months later, especially initially. Now, I can't speak from experience because I never was pregnant before. You ought to be thankful for that, amen? But uh, when my wife was expecting Joshua, the first, our first child, initially the test came out and said, she's expecting, she's pregnant. Well, we started celebrating, praise the Lord. Now, we don't see, there's no sign of any, their, her body looks the same. There's no change at all. But just a few short months later, there was little inklings of signs that something's on the way. And praise God. And so, when you conceive something in your spirit, you may not see it right away, but something's working. Something's developing. Something's growing. And before you know it, you're going to give birth to it. So what you want to do is you want to nurture that thing that you've conceived. You want to nurture it. How do you do that? With your eyes, with your understanding, with your imagination. You see yourself. When you pray for someone, picture, instead of rushing into prayer and praying for someone, picture that person right with God. Maybe, the, maybe you have a loved one. It's out of fellowship with God. Maybe they're Christian. Maybe they're not. And you picture them in your mind's eye. You picture them saved, on fire for Jesus, coming to church. Loving people. And when you get that picture in your mind, then when you go to prayer, you have an inner image inside your thinking. This is Bible. This is Bible. It's called meditation on the Word of God. See, a lot of times people pray and they haven't meditated. And that's why things don't happen quicker than we think. We have to take time to envision, picture it in our heart and in our mind of the thing that we're praying for so that it, it's already in our hearts, it's in our minds, so that when we release those words and pray, then something's going to take place. Amen? Now, real quickly, go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. So, I want to ask this question today. Do you think your words have power? The Bible says death and life in Proverbs are in the power of the tongue. Not just death. Death and life. Life and death, or in the power of not God, not the devil, but your tongue. What you say. Praise God. If people say, you know, things never work out for me. Just like that neurosurgeon did a, a physical test that when you say something bad, any person, when they say something negative, it sends a message to the rest of the body. It says, it's time to fail. We're preparing for failure. However, when you turn the table and you say, you know what, things are getting better for me every day. I'm getting healthier by the minute. I'm getting stronger every day. And you say that, and you continue to say that, that sends another message to your body that it's preparing for victory, not defeat. All right? Too many Christians are talked out of things so quickly, but we need to turn the tables and start thinking in line with God's Word. Hallelujah. 
And you, I guarantee you, you'll become an optimist, not a pessimist. You'll be expecting the best for you and your family and whatever you're dealing with. Amen. Now, in Luke chapter 4, verse 37, let's pick up there. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about, in verse 38. And he rose out of the synagogue and entered Simon's house. This is Peter's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a, notice this, a great fever. And they besought him for her. Now, here's what I want you to see here. Now, Luke, one of the apostles, was a physician before Jesus called him into ministry. And what's interesting about Luke being a physician, he's a little more detailed as you read the Gospel of Luke. For example, the other, uh, the other, epist- or the other uh, uh, Gospels, it just says she had a fever, but Luke says she had a great fever. So Luke, being a, physical, being a physician, had more insight to what was going on. And he said here in his writing here that Peter's mother-in-law had a great fever. Now look at verse 39. And he stood over her. Who who stood over her? Jesus. He stood over her and rebuked the what? And it left her. Now, do fevers have ears? I guess so. It heard. Now, the other the other gospels just say that Jesus touched her. They don't they don't say. But Luke says he spoke to the fever. Hmm. Jesus spoke to a tree. Jesus spoke to a fever. If Jesus can speak to a fever, you and I can speak to a fever, and we should. Amen? Amen. Any little symptom to start, I'm telling you what, as soon as you get a symptom, don't wait. Don't prolong it. Don't wait till you can't even get off the couch. Can you please pray, Pastor? Well, when when the smallest symptom shows up, as fast as that symptom came, as fast as that symptom can go. Don't be afraid of symptoms. It's no different than a temptation. It's not wrong to be tempted. Jesus was tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. But it's a sin to yield to it. Jesus was tempted in all points like as we, yet He didn't sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. All of us are tempted. All of us are tempted to give up and quit and so forth at different times. Give up on people. Give up on ourselves. Cast away your confidence, but just pass up the opportunity. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you all happy this morning? Amen. Are you glad you came here today? Yes. Amen. You'll convince yourself. Amen. Jesus rebuked the fever in Peter's mother-in-law, and the next verse says that Peter forsook the Lord. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. He healed his mother-in-law, right? No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Now, there's some great mother-in-laws out there. Amen. But notice in verse 39, it says, He rebuked the fever, and it left her. And notice this, and immediately she rose up and ministered to them. So, you have to ask yourself the question, why do you want healed anyway? Well, Pastor, I want healed so I can play golf better. Pastor, I want healed so I can play tennis better. That's not a good reason to be healed. The Bible says when she, as soon as she got healed, she rose up. And what did she do? She ministered to them, to Jesus and the disciples. She went right back to what she was doing. Are you with me now? Praise God. 
So I think some people have to ask that question, why do I want to be healed? Just so I can feel better? No, because that way you can serve Jesus better, serve God better. Amen. So look, look at verse 39. He stood over her. Now he's the only gospel out of the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that says he spoke to the fever. The other ones just say he touched her. So he had to touch her, but he also spoke to it. He spoke to a fever. Remember, words have power. Yeah, but pastor, that's Jesus. He can do that. Jesus never said, don't try this at home. You ever see commercials like that? Some stunt man does something. Don't try this at home. You could get seriously hurt or injured or killed. All right? Jesus never said, don't try this at home. He is showing us how to function, how to operate in this life. Amen. Hallelujah. There have been times that I've spoken to sickness and disease. There are times that I've spoken to pain in my life, and it left. And it left. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was mentioning about flu symptoms started coming on me. I spoke to it. I spoke to it right away. I mean, it hit me within 30 seconds. I'm saying, no, 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 you don't. You're not coming to this house. I'm redeemed from this stuff. I'm redeemed from the flu. Within a minute, every symptom left. To God be the glory. Praise God. But I guarantee you this. The Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul said in Timothy, he says, I'm, up, I'm bound in chains. He was a prisoner for the Lord. He said, but this, he said, the word of God is not bound. You ever think about that? The word of God is not bound. The only way that the word of God becomes bound is when you close your mouth and you don't open it. When Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, three different temptations, what did Jesus do? He opened his mouth and he said, it is written, it is written, it is written three times. And he quoted a scripture. didn't take very long, but the devil left him and departed from him when he spoke the word of God. And then the angels came and ministered to him. Isn't that wonderful? This is great news this morning. Speaking. So if the devil can get you to shut your mouth, you will lose by default. Let the redeemed of the Lord what? Say so. Say so. That the Lord has redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. So when you get that pain in your body, you say, no, 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 you don't, devil, in the name of Jesus. You take your hands off of me. So open your mouth. You say, pain, you go in Jesus' name. I am delivered from pain according to 1 Peter 2.24, Isaiah 53.4 and 5, Matthew 8.17. Hallelujah. Himself, Jesus, took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses, and by his stripes, 1 Peter 2.24, I was healed. Let me tell you something. That is ammunition that will scare the devil out of his wits. When you say what the Word of God says. All right? So verse 40 says, Now this is after he rebuked the fever and she was healed and immediately rose up and ministered to them. Verse 40. And when the sun was setting, they had uh, all they that were sick with divers or different diseases brought them unto him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And the devils came out of many, crying out, saying, Thou, son of, thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuked them. What did Jesus do? He said, shut up. <laughs> and he suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Do you see that? Now, I'm trying to lay a foundation here this morning here, and I'm trying to get this in here today. Praise God. Jesus spoke to a tree. 
Jesus spoke to a fever. So can you. And you should. Not only could you, but you should. Amen? Now let's go to Mark chapter 4. Real quick here. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. See the scriptures, as we're reading the Bible scriptures this morning, do you know your spirit man is being nurtured? Spiritual nutrition is going into your spirit man this morning. Amen? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Then in Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. And in the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Now notice verse 35. Jesus said this, Let us pass over unto the other side. This sounds to me like the book of Genesis when the Bible says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep and they said when they make, when creation, let us make man in our image. Let them have dominion. Remember that? And Jesus said here, He's one third of the Trinity, right? Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He said, let us pass over to the other side. Notice he, Jesus didn't say, let's try to go to the other side of the lake. Let's endeavor Let's do our best. No, he was affirmative. Affirmative. He said, let us pass over to the other side. Now, I've, I use this scripture when I get on an airplane. If I'm going to fly somewhere, and that's Mark chapter 4, verse 35. When I get in an airplane, when I get on, I lay hands on it as I'm walking down that, that little hallway there. I said, let us pass over to the other side. We're going to the other side. We're not going to crash and burn. Now, let me just say this. You don't want to be watching TV programs called Why Planes Crash. <laughs> Do you ever see that before? Why Planes Crash? And you're getting ready to take a trip. Because the devil will say, you're next. You're going to be one of those planes, okay? And you'll be so full of fear. Amen. Planes, trains, and now it's even trains. <laughs> planes, trains, and things. Not dance, not dance train, amen. No way, man, praise the Lord. But Jesus said, let us pass over to the other side. And when he had sent the multitude away, he took even them that was in the ship, and there was also with him other little ships. Now these are people that will tag along with you. They'll get in on the blessing. There was other little ships that were with Jesus. Amen. In verse 37, and there arose a great storm of wind. The waves beat into the ship, and now it was now full. But he was in the back part of the ship asleep on a pillow. <laughs> Does it ever feel like the Lord's asleep in your life when turmoil is going on? Let me tell you something. He's right there. He's in the back part of the ship asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Now that's nice. That's King James. But let me paraphrase. They said, Wake up. We're about to die. Okay, now look at the rest of this. Verse 39, he arose, he rebuked the wind. Now he's talking to the wind. He rebuked the wind and said unto the sea. Now he's talking to the sea. Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now why was there a great calm? Because there was a great storm. When there's a great storm, you need a great calm. 
So what did Jesus do? He spoke to the wind and to the sea. He said, peace, <laughs> shalom. And all of a sudden, Whew. now look at what had, verse 40 says, uh, it says, and they said unto them, he said, and why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Jesus is correcting them right there. Now, most people get offended at them and say, what are you talking about, Jesus? That's a little being a little harsh on us here, right? He said, you know, Jesus still says the same. Where is your faith? He's not trying to be hard on us when you go through things, but where's your faith? When you go through tests and trials, where's your faith? In other words, who are you trusting in? The Lord's posed that to me many times. Keith, where's your faith? Oh, forgive me, Lord. I slipped into fear. I slipped into unbelief. Forgive me, Father. Hallelujah. But he's merciful. He'll get you right back on the course. Amen. And they feared, verse 4, they feared exceedingly, and they said one to another, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? See, they're putting Jesus in a category by himself, but Jesus is saying, look, you could have did this too. Why are you so fearful? Because here's the thing. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. The word's out there. Just because God puts a word out there doesn't mean that you're not going to face a storm or a trial. Amen? Or harassment or distractions or things trying to sidetrack you. But you have the ability to stand up and say, I break and take authority over every distraction. I take authority over, listen to this, every hindering spirit. That's a big one. Every hindering spirit that would try to hinder you from receiving what God has for you. God's been quickening that more to me lately. And a lot of times we permit stuff in our lives because we're not taking authority like we should or could. But we have authority in the name of Jesus to bind and take authority over the prince of the power of the air. Glory to God. So we see this. And then go to real quick to Matthew chapter 12 because we're wrapping it up here. Matthew chapter 12. So we see Jesus spoke to a fever, he spoke to a tree. Then he spoke to a storm and he spoke to the wind. Which means that you and I can do that. We can and we should do that. Praise God. Now Matthew chapter 12 and verse 9 it says, and when, he went, uh, and when he was departed thence he went into the synagogue. And he says, and behold there was a man that had a, a hand that was withered. Now, what does that mean? It means one arm is shorter than the other, significantly. He went into the synagogue. There was a man that had a withered hand, and he asked him, saying, Jesus said, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day that they might accuse them? And he said unto them, What man there be among you, if he have one sheep, and if he fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold of it and lift it out? And how much then is a man better than a sheep? Now it's amazing to me there are people today that think that animals have more value than people. That is not true. Now that's not to say we don't care for animals, we don't love them and care for them. We're not saying that. But people, you are, folks, you are more valuable than a bird, Jesus said. You're more valuable than any animal that's out there. Some people treat animals better than they do people. That ought not be. Just a thought. Amen. 
Now, it doesn't mean you, uh, you know, treat Rover bad or something like that. You understand what I mean? All right? But uh, how much, verse 12, he says, How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, is it lawful to do well on the Sabbath days? And they say, and then Jesus, notice this, look at this. He saith unto the man, Stretch forth your hand and stretch it. And he stretched it forth and it was restored whole just like the other. Now notice that Jesus spoke to the limb. He spoke to a shortened limb. He says, stretch your hand forth. Now he's probably thinking, what are you talking about? He goes, I got a short arm like a, like a kangaroo <laughs> or an alligator hand. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you ever see how short an alligator hand is? You ever thought about that? You know, <laughs> I can't reach. This guy had a withered hand. He said, stretch forth your hand. All of a sudden, there it shoots out, and he's got a hand restored just like the other one. Now, I had one, one time I had an experience with this personally. I was, uh, my wife and I worked in a church in Colleen, Texas, and we had a new believers class. We were teaching, we were assistant pastors in a, ch- a large church in Colleen, Texas. And we had a, a, I think it was a 10-week class, actually, and it was 10 weeks long, and people that got saved in the church we would instruct them in the basic things of Christ, who they are in Christ, what they have for new Christians. You with me? And so we would teach on your redemption, teach on healing, teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and a number of things. And we just happened this particular time, we were teaching on, on healing. This is in conjunction with a Wednesday night service where the main service is downstairs or upstairs. They had a school, and we were using the classroom to teach. And while I was teaching there... Uh, Someone in the room towards the end of the service said that their, their leg was shorter than the other and they wanted to be healed. Okay? I'm, all, I'm already committed here. I've already taught on healing and so forth. And so, uh, and I tell you, I just had a boldness come over me. And this, this guy came up and I said, okay, sit on this front chair right here. He, I said, now put your back against the chair. Put your back against the chair. So he put his back against the chair and he put his leg straight out and it was about that much, his one leg was about that much shorter than the other leg. I mean, I held it out there. And the Lord said, call the class members. There was probably 30 people in the class. I said, come on up here. I want you to see this. I want to show you something right now. This is the greatest object lesson. <laughs> I said, do you see right here, their backs, his, his gentleman's back's against the chair. He's not cheating here. His one leg is shorter than the other leg. Everybody said, yeah, I can see that. I said, here's what we're going to do. I didn't know what I was going to do, but the Lord showed me. He says, here's what we're going to do. I said, on the count of three, we're going to say as a class together, I'm going to say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Okay? And they're like, okay. Now, their eyes look like olives on the end of toothpicks. You know what I'm saying? They're like, <laughs> like this. They're, they're watching, you know. They've never experienced this before. Now, I'd never seen this before myself either. But I put myself out there on the limb, you know. Praise the Lord. I said, okay, Father, here we go. So I said, we're, we're, I'm holding. I'm down here on my knees like this. I said, one, two, three, in the name of Jesus. So everybody said, in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, you saw that leg just go. And I mean, that place became unglued. Hallelujah. And I think the Lord wanted me to incorporate the people that were there that just heard these things 
that they have the faith, they have the power, and they have the authority that they can do these things. You don't have to be saved for 35 years and go to Bible college to do these kind of things. Amen. Amen. And we saw that day. Now, I had seen that through other ministers, other evangelists, where I saw arms and stuff grow out. Just, I was right there to see it. Just, just grow right out. <laughs> I was in a Dave Roberson meeting one time. I was standing right behind him. He called a woman up there, and their arms, one arm was that much shorter than the other. He just laid hands on her, and that thing just went just right up there like that. You know, See, these are not unusual things. This should be and can be a common thing for the body of Christ, for every believer that's in this room. This is not just for the pastor. This is not just for evangelists. This is not just for the traveling ministers. This is for the body of Christ. This is for people like you and me. Amen? Jesus spoke to it and said, stretch forth your hand. Praise God. He's probably thinking, I've been trying to do that since I was born. <laughs> but this time when Jesus said, stretch forth your hand, all of a sudden the Holy Ghost got in there. and See, you have to understand, folks. The Bible says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Well, the answer is what? No. Did you ever read that scripture? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, we've got to close with this because we're almost out of time. But go to John chapter 11. So Jesus spoke to wind, he spoke to waves, he spoke to limbs, he spoke to fevers. Now he's speaking to dead bodies. Now we're getting pretty serious right here. Now I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but let's pick up in verse 17. That's John chapter 11 and verse 17. This is regarding Lazarus. John eleven seventeen says, Then Jesus came and found that he had been laying in a grave for four days already. That's talking about Lazarus. And now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and to Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now you have the, the Martha and Mary and then their brother Lazarus. Remember Jesus had dinner in Martha and Mary's home? Remember that? And remember Martha was all... All troubled? Well, you're going to see her troubled spirit come out here again. <laughs> okay. So they're, they're coming. In other words, he's been dead for four days. Now they're all, all the people are coming out to pay their respects and so forth to Martha and Mary about their brother Lazarus, you know, and so forth. And then verse 20 says, And Martha, as soon as she had heard, notice this, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went out and met him, and Mary sat still in the house. Hmm. And, and then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, she's the same Martha that was in the house that was troubled about, remember, about her sister in Luke chapter 10. If you would have showed up, now, Martha, she's kind of mad. She's Jesus, if you would have just showed up, my brother wouldn't have passed away. He wouldn't have died. Verse 23, Jesus saith unto her, your brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know he shall rise again at the resurrection on the last day. Now that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking right now, not in the future. Jesus said unto her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord. 
I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Amen. Now, verse 28 says, And when she had said so, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come, for he calleth for thee. And as soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came unto him. Now, Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha had met him. All right? And Jesus said in verse 31, The Jews then that were with her in the house had comforted her, and when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily, went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. That's what they're assuming this. And when Mary was come to where Jesus was, she saw him and fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which, with, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and he was troubled. The Bible says Jesus is touched easily with the feelings of our infirmities. When you hurt, he hurts. And he said, where have they laid him? Verse 34. And they said, come and see. And notice this, Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus could feel their pain. Jesus could feel their grief, but he wasn't going to stop there. And he said to the Jews, behold, how he loved him. They're thinking that's because he loved him. He was crying, okay? And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even the man that he should not have died? Now they're accusing him. Verse 38, Jesus Therefore groaned in himself, came to the grave. It was a cave and a stone laid upon it. And Jesus said, take ye away the stone, Martha. Or take ye away the stone, Martha. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get the punctuation right there. She said, man, that's too heavy. (laughs) Hallelujah. Jesus said, take away the stone. All right. And Martha said, Lord, by this time he stinketh. In other words, rigor mortis is set in here, all right? He stinketh. He's been dead for four days. <laughs> so you would think this is way too late here. I mean, he didn't even show up before the funeral here. He's been in the grave for four days. Jesus said unto her, said not I unto thee that if thou would, here we go, in verse 40, if thou would believe, you would see the glory of God. And they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Now he's asking, he's thanking the Lord God's heard him before anything happened yet. Praise God. Then they took the stone, uh, took away the stone, the place where he was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Verse 42. And I knew that thou hearest me always. That's how righteous people pray. Thank you, Lord, you always hear me. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when they had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice. Now he's getting ready to speak something here. Lazarus, come forth. Now it's a good thing he used his name because if he, would have, he was in a, in a graveyard, in a cemetery, all the dead would have came forth. But he said, he tagged him, he used his name. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Now, there's a bunch of people standing here. 
You know what's interesting about this? You would think that if you were standing there and you were an unbeliever and you saw Jesus raise this man from the dead, that you would immediately be converted and follow Jesus. There, uh, you'll read the rest of the chapter that then they, they talked about how they could trap him, how they could stone him. Go figure. Because their heart was hardened. They could see the greatest miracle of all, and yet their heart was so hardened they wouldn't even turn. He said, come forth. Verse 44, look at this. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. And many of the Jews which came to Mary had seen these things which Jesus did, believed on him. Now, if you read the rest of the story, that's what I'm talking about right here. Now, it's interesting because, you know, the Jewish people got their customs, originally their burial customs from Egypt when they were in Egyptian captivity. And they would mummify their, their dead that's the way, that's where they learned it from, from Egypt. Okay? Where do you think mummies came from? <laughs> from Egypt, right? Okay. Well, the Israelites learned these methods of burial from, from Egypt. They didn't just throw them in a, in a grave, you know, and, and that's it. I mean, they wrapped every finger, every, every, I mean, they were like a cocoon. So think about it. The, he didn't just walk out of there. Lazarus did not just walk out of there and say, hey guys, how's it going? No welcome back posters. Welcome back, Lazarus. There was none of that. But the power of God, listen to me, the power of God lifted him up and brought him out and stood him right there and he's standing there like this, like a mummy. And he told his disciples, now you go loose him and you go let him go. So they went over there, went boom and pulled it. He went around like a top. <laughs> my paraphrase and they took he was raised from the dead alright so I'm saying all that to say this that Jesus spoke to fevers he spoke to trees he spoke to wind and waves he also spoke to the dead okay how much more should we be saying what God says. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can I keep you another two minutes here? I'm going to close with this illustration here. I think this will cap it off right here because you don't realize that when you're speaking, when you're speaking the Word of God and you're saying what God's Word says, you're getting to the root and the heart. Now, you've heard me say this many times if you've been here. I, I feel very compelled in my spirit to stay on this from time to time because I, I know how we can slip away from saying what God's Word says and we're causing problems in our life when we don't have to. We can turn it around. And I thought this was a tremendous example. This is a, an actual true to this day. We're going to talk about the Chinese bamboo tree. You say, oh, Pastor, where has it come to this? <laughs> let, me, let me read. It's only take a minute. Like any plant, growth of the Chinese bamboo tree requires nurturing, water, fertile soil, sunshine. In its first year, we see no visible signs of activity. In the second year, again, no growth above the soil. The third, the fourth, still nothing. 
All right? This is the Chinese bamboo tree. Our patience is tested as we begin to wonder our efforts of caring and watering, etc. Will it ever be rewarded? And finally, in the fifth year, behold a miracle. We experience growth. And what growth it is. The Chinese bamboo tree grows 80 feet tall in just six weeks. This is in the fifth year. But let's be serious. Does the Chinese bamboo tree really grow 80 feet in six weeks? Did the Chinese bamboo tree lie dormant for four years only to grow exponentially in the fifth? Or was it the little tree growing underground developing a root system strong enough to support its potential for outward growth in the fifth year and beyond? The answer is, of course, is obvious. Had the tree not developed in the strong, unseen foundation, it could not have been sustained its life as it grew. The same principle is true with people. People who patiently toil towards worthwhile dreams and goals, building a strong character while overcoming adversity and challenge, grow to be strong and have a strong internal foundation to handle success. Had the Chinese bamboo tree farmer dug up the little seed every year to see if it was growing, it would have stunted this Chinese bamboo tree and would have never have grown. Amen? And that's, that's the way it is to this day. The first year you water, you fertilize. First year you water, fertilize. In other words, it's like coming to church, hearing the Word, hearing the Word. Doesn't look like anything's happening. Doesn't look like anything's happening. The next year, man, just keep, keep plowing away. Keep pouring it in. Keep putting the Word in. Keep speaking the Word. Keep doing what the Word says. Doesn't look like anything's happened. Amen? Third year, same thing. Fourth year, same thing. But all of a sudden, in the fifth year, that thing, that tree grows 80 feet tall in one year. Everybody say, wow. wow. Say it backwards. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I like that illustration, don't you? Because had the farmer, of course the farmer has the knowledge, they do these things, they prepare for that, they know this, all right? But a person that wouldn't know that would think, I got, a, I got a bad tree, I'm taking it back. Take it back to the arbor, say, what's, what's going on with this? What's wrong with this? Well, you bought that tree, it doesn't work, it doesn't grow. And so when they educate you on that, they say, you got to fertilize it, water, fertilize it, water. One year, two years, three years, four years, but then on the fifth year, Man, I'm telling you, amen. I've seen some of these trees. I, you stand under them, you think, you can barely see the top of the tree, these bamboo trees. I mean to tell you, amazing. Now, what's that have to do with us? Well, everything. Because if the farmer would have dug up the tree and said, it's not working, that tree would have never taken off. But how do you... How do you dig up the seeds that you're planting by saying it's not working? I don't see any change. It's not working. If, if people say that, now I've watched people, I study people. When people say it's not working, it's not working, they're getting, they're getting exactly what they're saying. It's not working for them. See, the law of Mark eleven twenty three works in the negative as well as the positive. When you say things aren't working for me, things never go good for me, things just don't, I don't get good breaks anymore. All the other people get the breaks. You're putting yourself in a position where you're purposely digging up the tree, so to speak, 
and it's not going to produce a harvest. And you say, that faith stuff doesn't work. It does work. It does work. But it works in the negative. It works in the positive. If you reaffirm something in the negative, then you get more of the same. And I don't want to do that. Amen? Let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we thank you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord. 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 There's a shift and there's a, there's a, because of the word of God that was delivered today, the word of the Lord, there's a shift and there's a, there's a hope that's coming back for a lot of you already in your spirits and in your mind that, thank you, Lord Jesus, where you were tempted to become weary and well-doing. The Bible says, do not be tempted. Uh, it says, don't be weary in Galatians 6. Don't be weary and well-doing. And well doing for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. And there are those in this room right now that might have experienced some delay, some setback, but you're about to make a comeback. Hallelujah. Because you know your faith is working. You know that what you've said according to the Word of God is coming to pass in your life. And there's a, there's a wind to your back. Now it's a tailwind, it's not a headwind. You've got a tailwind of the Holy Ghost behind you. Glory to God, because you know that these principles work. You know that the Word of God is working on your behalf. And you'll see a quicker response and a quicker manifestation. Because now you have the revelation of why the Word, and how, not only why the Word works, but how the Word of God works in the soil of your heart. Hallelujah. So there's a new boldness today. There's a new boldness to rise up and to confess what God says already about you. Think it not strange to confess what I've said. For I did not tell you to confess things that don't already exist in my word. I've said certain things about you. And my desire is for you to rise up and take what I've already said and speak it out of your mouth and complete the circle and bring it to pass in, in, in your life, saith the Lord. For it gives me great delight and great desire. For I delight in the prosperity of my sons and my daughters. I've said that in my word. Hallelujah. Let's pray in the spirit for a minute here. Kombrolakaya. Eve gredie sel ha renegedosa, me vigisa nosa nefe bela grede ge motulisa sae, me mblugu premea, bear kistaf yed, cum samafare bele be bread de bekem bran de bakros dobrebek, le bremenabaka, mongro de le be bread de bakasa kako, samoko. Broke sambro veca stabro bopo, grace dovrende, grace divana, the grace will brote sacra dete, and my glory will brote sacra vete sando, and more will come. For, for you see, it's written in my word that you are to cry grace, grace unto the mountains of your life. And when you speak grace, you are speaking my word. And when you speak my word, the mountains, yes, the mountains will have to be removed and they'll have to bow their knee before you, saith the Lord. For you see, my word in your mouth will work the same as my word in my mouth, saith the Lord. So be bold to speak what I've said. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. And you won't have to broach the de gallo, for you will see how I will broach the freak gelato, yes, and my glory will broach the freak kadase, and you won't broche say yes. for a new boldness and brote sovereign coste and brote sacato. Know this, saith the Lord, that I have not called you to do the hard part. For you see, I do the hard part. Your job is to speak my word and I'll do what you've said. So be bold to speak what I've said for my anointing is upon my word. My anointing is in my word. And as you speak my word, the angels will take that what you've said and bring it to pass before you. And you'll stand before it and say, ha, ha, ha. I didn't know it could be this easy, saith the Lord. Thank you, 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 Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I said in my word, saith the Lord, don't muzzle the ox, it treads out the corn. For you see, the word has been broken. The word has been fed to you, saith the Lord. It is the corn. And I've declared not to muzzle the ox. For you see, revelation has come forth, saith the Lord. Revelation to take you into the deeper things of me. For you see, you're going from glory to glory. There's been greater revelation and greater greater light being shed. You come and you say, well, I've heard these things, but it's fresh. It's anew, saith the Lord. Uh, I, I'm, I'm getting a better handle on what's being said yes, in my word. The greater revelation is coming forth yes, because you have not muzzled the ox. The ox has had the ability to break the corn down and share it to you, saith the Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We rejoice. We rejoice. We praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And so with every head, bowed, every head bowed, every eye closed, what, what is the Lord talking to you about? What's he speaking to your heart this morning? I believe, I don't think I know the Lord is very active here. The Holy Spirit is very active here this morning. And he's, he's working on the inside of every heart, every person that's in this room right now. And he's given you a supernatural hope. That those dreams, though they may have seemed like a big delay, they're going to come to pass. The dream you have for your family, the dream that you have for your loved ones, the dream you have for your future, it'll surely come to pass. Praise God. So you hang on. You hang on to that dream. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. You hang on to the vision and the dream that God's put inside your heart. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I just feel like we need to stand up and thank the Lord for men here. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 There's no better, there's no better place than to be right with God spiritually. There's no better place to be. Today, if the Lord's dealing with your heart about getting closer to Him, you this is your time. This is the place to do that. 
that you yield yourself to him.